This is Investment Strategies Weekly Review of Companies and Markets with me, Colin Chapman. At last, there's a good M&A story to distract us from the degenerating United States election campaign. As I speak, the boards of AT&T and Time Warner are putting together a deal that will reshape the media landscape, a deal worth over 84 billion US dollars. Donald Trump has said, if elected, he'll block the deal because it would give the company too much power. But he's unlikely to be elected. AT&T is the largest telecoms company in the world by revenue, and by acquiring Time Warner, something incidentally Apple briefly considered, it'll steal a march on competitors by getting access to Time Warner's media assets. These include CNN, Home Box Office, and Warner Brothers, to name a few. Rupert Murdoch will be watching this deal closely as the owner of 20th Century Fox and Global Television Networks, but he has his own problems with the Wall Street Journal, which is having to shed journalists to cut costs because of an advertising slump. AT&T will pay $110 US per Time Warner share in cash and stock, or about $85 billion overall. It'll need to line up financing to pay for the deal, because it only has $7.2 billion in cash in hand. Time Warner shares rose 11.4% this weekend. M&A is coming alive in Australia too, though on a much smaller scale, of course. Australia's two largest listed gambling businesses, Tats and Tabcor, have merged. We think this should be good for Macquarie Group, whose half-yearly results come out this week, and who will welcome, of course, a lot more M&A activity. But it's been a bad week for the health sector, triggered by poor results and a profit warning from HealthScope. Investment Strategies has been thinking of creating a health portfolio for almost a year now, but as we've watched but as we watch BlackRock's iShares ETF lose weight, we've held off. We'll look at it again this week. You'll have read what I said about Challenger's success in selling over a billion dollars worth of annuities in the September quarter, an announcement that temporarily pushed its share price up 6%. By this weekend, it had slipped back a bit, but it's still up 44 cents, or 4.4% above where it was when the company provided its numbers early in the week. While, unlike Jeremy Cooper, we're no fan of annuities, it's interesting that Challenger itself is not a bad investment. Built up by Dominic Stevens, who left earlier this year to take up the thorny task of revitalising the ASX, Challenger shares have provided those that own them a 31.6% return in the last 12 months and is pushing close to its one-year high. Challengers received generally favourable comments from brokers this week with a good year forecast. Bell Potter came up with a buy rating and an $11.90 target. The word of warning came from some who predict that Challenger will soon have to raise more capital to meet its long-term obligations. Morgan Stanley believes it'll get harder in the current flat interest rate environment for Challenger to meet even a 3% return to annuity holders, which would indicate some pressure on the shares in later times. 
Those who thought the roof had fallen in on New South Wales Premier Mike Baird when Scott Morrison vetoed his deal to lease the state's electricity's poles and wires to the Chinese were proved wrong during the week when he found buyers for Osgrid. The state will get $16.2 billion from two Australian super funds, useful cash for New South Wales infrastructure projects. We wonder whether across in Adelaide, Jay Weatherall wishes he could sell those wind farms. Now it's been confirmed that Malcolm Turnbull's tilting at windmills after the state blackout a couple of weeks ago was correct after all. Until next week, bye for now.